Hey, this is Dave Chris. I'm the pastor of We're One based out of Gateway Assembly, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that this equips you and encourages you in your faith to see Jesus more clearly in your life. Let's hit it. Final talk of this series, Z, the now generation. We're going to do something completely different that we um, have. We've never done this before ever. And this is just so unique to this series. I want to start with this scripture, though, in Psalm 78. I started week one with this scripture. I want to bring it back into our hearts again. Here's verse four to seven. It says that we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them. Even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. Can I just tell you, one of my favorite things to do is watch my son read Bibles, watch my wife read Bible stories to my son. He has no idea what she's talking about, but I love it already that she's already sharing it to the next generation. And here's the last verse. And it says, so each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. I want you to look at what this says. It says, so each generation, doesn't say just one generation, it doesn't say just the past generations. It says, so every generation that would believe upon God, For us, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So each generation should set its hope anew on God and share it with the next generation. So we're going to do something a little different tonight. Uh, We are going to have a a conversation tonight. We're calling it a generation conversation with four different generations, with boomers, with Generation X, with millennials, and with Gen Z. Are you ready? Because I have no idea what's about to happen in this conversation. Hey, so put your hands together for Gen Z. Give it up for Jordan Gray and Destiny Kreiner as they come out. We got our millennials. Give it up for Josh Thompson and Miranda Sanborn. Come on in strong, Generation X. Come on, give it up for Sean and Cora Dugan. And last but not least, we love you. Come on for our baby boomers, Ken and Susie Neville. Give it up for them. Hey, so we, this isn't like rehearsing or anything. We're just going to have like a very candid, real conversation about generations. And we're going to get like this advice all the way here from our boomers. Boomers, are you ready? Oh, we're boom. We're ready. Boom, baby. Boom, baby, boom. We're ready to go. Hey, all- y'all, how you doing? <laughs> He's ready to go all the way down here to Gen Z. Are you ready, Gen Z? Uh, Gen Z is the best. Oh, well, okay. Uh, so that going differently in my mind. Okay, so... Hey, to be honest, I don't know what they're going to say yet. I'm going to ask the conversations, and worst case scenario, we'll edit it out of the, uh, of the video if we have to. But I figure we could have a real conversation about some of the things going on, not just in the Gen Z generation, but among generations. Especially, I know in workplaces right now, they're having a really hard time bringing generations together to get any jobs done because there are a lot of different issues going around among the generations. So let me just start. If you all could just give me a quick answer across the whole board. Um, I'll even start with... Uh, uh, the, the, the baby boomers here. Tell me, now for you guys, it'd be like what you used to do when you were teenagers, right? Okay. You're not old, but you're not teenagers anymore. And for you guys, you would answer like what you currently do as teenagers. Tell me what you used to do for fun. So we can kind of get like a picture kind of over the generation for fun. For fun. Yeah. 
we used to we used to go to the park, play volleyball, or hang around with our friends. We used to go door to door, play baseball, and play stuff, and it was all so centered around people and doing stuff, meeting and greeting and doing and going. Okay, hanging out, being hanging outside. Out right on. I used to shout out on my car. My mom was driving, and my girlfriend and I were sitting in the back seat. And we would shout out when cute boys were walking by, Chico, Chico, cute Chico. <laughs> what's that called? Is there like a name for that? Is there a name for when you do that? Like a, what's that called, what you did? I dog don't know. Calling. We just were dog crazy. Calling. I thought it was called like calling. cat calling or something like That's that. That's for girls. Dog calling is like for guys. Oh, so like, the boys do Yeah, we're dogs. Call. Like who let the dogs out? Who? Who? Yeah, okay. Man, what generation is that song on? Is that Generation X or Millennials, that song right there? It's ours. I don't know. We're, hey, we're Christians. We don't even know that song. Okay. Hey, Cora, Cora tell us, uh, Generation X, what did you all do? Uh, one of the things that I liked to do when I was young and fun, I'm still young and fun. Let's, let's just say I'm still young and fun. <laughs> uh, one of the things that was so cool was MTV. So I used to crave <laughs> the videos and, like, how you guys are on your phones with YouTube. Nah. MTV was the place to be. <laughs> so I used to sit there for hours. Like, I'd come home from school, eat a snack, and just sit in front of the TV and just watch. And it could be like eight videos all in a row of the same thing, same thing. Didn't matter. We were addicted. <laughs> because that was like, so was that the beginning of MTV at that yes. time? Yes, yes. We okay. are the generation for that. I mean, you turn on yes. MTV now, you are going to want to gouge no. your eyes out. No, do not <laughs> turn on MTV now. What no. was on for you? Was it like MC Hammer? Or what were you watching? Um, you know, I hate to say it, but it was Madonna during our, it was Madonna. And no one was telling us you shouldn't be watching that. So, <laughs> so you just watch eight videos at a time. You just watch it. Why not? So 16 age, whatever, uh, we would, we were all in the car. So we'd go cruising uh, the streets. There would be a park called Elizabeth Park down in the city. So there would probably be 600 cars just lined up around this park and everybody would just circle it all day long because you couldn't park. Everybody already had spots, so you just circle. <laughs> so, so then, back then, everybody was in hair metal bands, right? So you had loud stereos for hair metal, and that's when uh, rap came out. So then you had to see who had the loudest stereo that you could drown out everybody as they're driving by. So you had those competitions all day long, so... That's good fun. That's good. Where was that at? Was that like Woodward? No, it was in Trenton. Trenton? Okay. But Woodward's like the same concept, right? Everybody just drives Well, this was actually a park. All it was is a circle. That's all you could do Everybody is circle, around. turn around, go in a circle. Sounds That's like a was. ton of fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just okay, you guys, we're going to keep going now. Uh, well, I think millennials got the end of MTV, to be honest, because it was still kicking when we were young. But we got the beginning of SpongeBob, so that was cool. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm embarrassed. I played a lot of video games. That's kind of how I grew up. That's what I did for fun. Um, I, like, played outside in sports. I didn't do video games. This no. was never... Unless it was Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Pokemon. Pokemon. No? Okay. <laughs> That's good. Okay, we're going all the way down to Gen Z now. Here yes. we are. We're a little more okay. current. So, what we currently do is um, I like hanging out with my friends, shopping online, posting TikToks online. Going on Instagram, online, you know, that, that type of stuff. 
Okay, bought it online. I mean, I either just come here, draw on my iPad, or sleep. That's a hobby right there. <laughs> How many of y'all in the room, you just love to sleep, if, like as much as you could sleep? Now, was it like that back then? Like you wanted to sleep a lot? Is that like, was that a thing? Is that like a teenage thing, or is that just, you see that different now? Yeah, well, Saturday morning was a sleep in, you know, because okay. you were out all night Friday, so you need to get some sleep. Yeah, but you didn't, you, Saturday morning, though, was cartoons. You had to, cartoons, that's you had right. It was, it was Tom and Jerry, and it was, it was, uh, how many of y'all even know Tom and Jerry? And, oh, what? Yeah, it was Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner. You know, that was those classics, man. See, we have more in common than you realize. Oh, man, we're connecting. We're connecting. Okay, hey, re real quick, tell me this. Uh, let's just go this way and then back to here then. Starting with you guys, when did you get your first cell phone? Uh, 12 or 13, I think. Okay. I think it didn't have cell phone service, but probably like 11, 12. Okay. I was like 13 or 14. It was like a Nextel. It was like a brick. You could oh, throw yeah. it off a tower Dude, and it I, wouldn't break. I had one. And then it had like the walkie-talkie like, da -da -da, you know what I mean? Uh, mine was 12, seventh grade, and I would let it sit for days and die. Wow. I never want, I just didn't use it. I didn't want one. Really? That is not at all like Gen Z. Okay. Uh, when did you get your first cell phone? You remember? I don't know. We're trying to figure out the age, but it was probably like 1994. That doesn't help me at all. <laughs> but but we started out with pagers, so oh. you had a pager, then you could upgrade to a better pager, and then all that it was was the color was changing. You went from black to blue to orange. Hey, let's be honest. That's exactly what the iPhone series are doing right now to us. It's just like almost $2,000 at this point. It's like the same thing. The thing with a pager, though, is you kept upgrading, but you it couldn't call with it. You still had to go find a phone, Right. And then the first cell phones in the 80s or whatever, weren't they just like huge suckers with like, you know, like, like pull the antenna like yeah. way up and. It was like a flip phone with an antenna. Yes. Yeah. But wasn't it like huge? The very first ones, yeah. My first one wasn't even a cell phone. It was a car phone. And you built it. It had the curly Q antenna on the back. Y'all seen those things? And, and it, it was a thing that you installed in your car, right? There wasn't no cell phone. It was a, it was a car phone. And. It, there was a fee, it was 55 cents a minute, plus it was like a dollar and a half to connect every call. Y'all, y'all would have gone broke back oh, then, man. I'm telling you. When was your first? I want to say it was the year the girls were born, which I was 28 years old. Okay. And I thought, this is like the dumbest thing ever. I don't need a phone. Um, like and who now, would ever need a phone? right, and look at us today. Yeah. Okay. Susie, you remember? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was too poor to buy one. Okay. Okay, that's 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 fine. And so finally then you got with Ken and he hooked you up with yeah. one of those car phones. Yeah, after I married Ken, I think he bought me one. Big Daddy pay that bill. Okay. So I got so I have some thoughts here that we felt you would agree with. So Ken, I'm gonna have you first ask these. These are questions that I believe an older generation wants to ask a younger generation. So if you just ask them out loud, I feel like this is something that you're probably wondering about. Yeah, yeah I wonder about this all the time. So y'all down there, you young ones, why doesn't anybody talk on the phone anymore? What's this thing with your thumbs all the time? I'd be, right. I get worn out texting, man. Right. Why can't you just talk? Pick up and talk. Have a conversation. Yes. Because then you have to talk to people. Yeah, should I, should I keep going or you want to answer Yeah, that what's one? the second one? So, next one, why do you feel validated in the form of likes? Oh. 
Like, ooh, how many like, likes did I get? Ooh, oh, I got so many. Oh, oh I'm so cool. We're, we're digging in. I, oh, this is, a, I guess, the roast session is what we're starting here. So that's what, ask the third question. Third one. Explain what a Karen is. Okay. Because I'll Karen. tell you, I don't know what a Karen is. That's a legitimate question. That's a legitimate right. question. Could you guys give a, like, could you help out? If you call the manager over for getting a single chicken nugget, you are a Karen. Okay. Give me some other examples. Help them understand a Karen. Um, well, so they have this certain haircut, that haircut. Um, and We don't know uh, this person or anyone yeah, that has we don't, this haircut. We mean yeah, nothing against no, them. No. We, we don't know them. But a Karen, she'll like come up. Hers, okay, pretend I'm like the son. And I'm just like, why am I a son? I'm the daughter. And um, I... <laughs> Um, and basically, I'll be like, Mom, they um, forgot we, they forgot the cheese on my cheeseburger. She'll be like, excuse me, and then walk up. Can I speak to the manager, please? And then, and then the, the like young McDonald's worker will be like, um, I, I, yeah, what, um, I'll go get her. And then the manager will come and be like, all right, what's wrong? Um, excuse me, you did not put cheese on this cheeseburger. And they're like, you ordered a hamburger. And then she's like, well, I want cheese on it, so thank you. Yeah. So that's what a so a Karen is. Uh, what a middle-aged woman that is probably just a little overly aggressive, like, and supposedly with a bob cut and stuff like that. So if somebody calls you a Karen, just say, ah, no, uh my name's Cora, not Karen. Okay, that's like correct them. You know what I mean? Uh, so that, okay, those are good questions. So I'm gonna have. How about this then? I think this, these are some questions y'all been wondering, younger generations to older generations. Can you ask those questions as well? Um, I just, just wondering, why does your generation think they can outsmart the GPS? Why, why did? Because we learned how to read maps. Oh. I read Apple Maps. It just tells me where to go when I go. I will tell you this last week in Nicaragua, though, I was in trouble. I got, we, I had no idea, because there's no street signs or anything, I know where to go. So why does your generation think they can outsmart a GPS? I think that's legitimate. How about, what else? Well, the next one, uh, Karen struggles with this as well. Uh, why does your generation still not understand how to use a drive-through speaker? Ro this is getting roasty. I can feel, let's move on. It's getting, it's getting. Okay. All right, so. Um, warm. I'm getting warm up here. So when. When we show you a photo, us younger generations, why do you always ask, who's that? <laughs> like, for real. Okay, last question. All last right, the question. last one. Um, why, um, wh why do you guys always text with one finger? You have, you have 10. Could y'all, could, could someone? Okay, here's the deal. First of all, we like face-to-face -face conversations. Right. No, one second. I like Cora, to feel the heart. I get that, Cora, but that doesn't explain why you guys do this. I don't do that. I don't do that. Okay. I don't Susie. I do. <laughs> and okay, Susie, why? The reason, the reason I do is because I flunked typing in high school. Uh. <laughs> okay, I feel, like, I feel like that's a warm-up. We're getting into it here. I want to this is not the purpose of this is not to just grill each other but listen if they have different opinions about things than them that's okay okay 
if they see the world differently than them, that's okay. It really is. It's okay that we uh, are different, but we do want to get to a place of also some sort of common ground to at least understand each other. So let's just start with this. Um, and I'm, I'm going to start with you guys over here. Give me like one boomer and, and one generation X that will answer this for me. What do you think makes your generation unique? What would you say, maybe even different than Generation X or obviously different than over here, what makes it different than other generations? What makes the boomers sort of unique? So we're old. <laughs> and we're, we're probably the last generation with a pension, probably the last generation maybe to get Social Security. We saw the technology just explode around us I mean, my first microwave we got when I was a senior in high school. My first TV was black and white, y'all. Okay? And, and so we've just seen it all happen around us. We've seen this, the sexual revolution. HIV was labeled when, after, after I was out of high school. Um, we saw women's lib. We saw all kind of stuff. Our world changed. The man on the moon happened while we were kids. Wow. That's incredible. How about you guys? So I would say... We would probably be labeled as the, the label generation. We, I think we started the trends. Like, I mean, you guys have Nikes. We had ponies back then. You know, that was, that was the shoe, you know, that the jeans were Jordache. And, you know, I think we started those type of gen, or those uh, labels, I'm sorry, trends, labels from then. And then we did see, you know, on the spin of hymns, we'd seen the first, space shuttle blow up, you know, explode. We've seen just certain things be right after them into now, you know, and then we're seeing destruction, you know, like 9-11 and all that through the, through the other generations. But I think we were more, I guess, labeled or probably the most thing we'd probably be contributed to would be the label generation, I would call us. Yeah, that's a good thought. How about millennials? Um, I would say <clears throat> we're unique because we grew up in the rise of social media. We, uh, like, we remember a time when there wasn't internet and then what it's become today. <clears throat> and like, like it's kind of cool because I think we kind of got the best of both worlds in that regard where I still remember Be Kind Rewind, like going to Blockbuster and like VHS. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then, you know, to, to, we got to watch technology, like, do some of the most dramatic shifting more than any other generation. Yeah, that's true. I think our generation is very creative, and whether they use that for good or not, like, they just, if you give them a way to do something, whether it's lazy or not, they will find the easiest and most, like, creative, simple way to do it. And I think that's, like, a really good way of problem solving that we have. Yeah. I see that for sure. Let me ask this to anybody can just answer, just give me your thoughts over here. What do you think is the hardest part about relating to younger generations with the rise of, you know, obviously, technology, so many different things we could easily label over here as well? What's difficult, either just because your generation was different or the older you get even, what's difficult about relating to them? So, can I say so it's frame of reference. A lot of them, we just don't have a lot in common. Our experience was so different. You know, we went away to college. A lot of you guys are doing online school. It's just a different, you know, it's brick and mortar. You all got Amazon and Prime, you know. And we went to the store. We went to the mall and we bought stuff. You guys order it. You guys got any thoughts as well? 
Um, I would just say for me, uh, raising Gen Z has been just a whirlwind to try to keep up with the technology part of it. Uh, you know, with parents always worrying about what their kids are seeing online, uh, that's what caused me to learn how to use a smartphone. Because if I knew my kids were going to be there, I had to be 10 steps ahead. So I had to learn, you know, I'm, I'm going to be better at an iPhone than they are. I'm going to be better at Facebook than they are. I'm going to be better at Instagram. Now, this TikTok thing, no, no. <laughs> I There's have to draw There's the a line, line somewhere <laughs> as a parent because you can go crazy. The technology is just, it, you can't keep up with it. So how do you stay relevant all the time? It's hard. Well, that, that's true. It's good. I think it's good for us to even hear this perspective because sometimes we maybe, however you'd phrase it, count our parents or older generations out without understanding maybe what they're thinking at times. So now let's get you guys inside of their head and your generations inside of their head. What's difficult for you guys about connecting to older generations? The ones that have gone before you, whether it's the next generation above or even ones above, like my, uh, my grandparents, they're, they're labeled either like the silent or the greatest generation. Um, and they've gone through things that I can't relate to at all. So whatever generation you would even say, maybe even to the ones over here, what's difficult for you? I think sometimes just like understanding uh, like what like what goes on in our life. Like if we come to them with like a problem, like I'm getting cyberbullied or um, just like different things, and like them not understanding like why that's happening. They're like, oh well, why are they saying this to you? Like I don't know. Like they're just trying to like hide behind a screen, and so them not understanding like how much that affects us sometimes is like is a little bit like frustrating. But at the same time, like hearing what they're saying, like. Um, them trying to keep up with us is kind of like hard to. Let me just speak to that for a second. Do you feel that, say, nine times out of ten, do you feel the response is, well, I just didn't go through that, so I don't get that? Or do you feel the response is um, like a blame? Well, hey, you're on your phone all the time, so it's your fault you're getting cyberbullied. Or is it to try to understand? Or just in general, not necessarily your parents or anything, but in general what you see with the generation, what do you think the response is when you bring certain things to them? I think it could be, I think it'd be, think it could be like either things, like either trying to understand but not getting it, or just like, oh yeah, like you're on your phone, like you shouldn't have even been like posting that or commenting that anyways. Yeah. Do you feel that there are things, and maybe any one of y'all can like speak to this, but do you feel there's things that you've kind of been thrust into, whether you like it or not? Because so, here's what's different. Millennials kind of grew into it. Gen Z was dropped into it, right? So it's kind of like um, Gen Z was kind of just dropped on the battlefield and you kind of just have to deal with it. So do you feel like because of that, there's certain, um, not even necessarily a pressure to have to participate, but do you feel like you're just kind of dropped in the middle of it and whether you like it or not, they might not understand um, maybe why would you be on your phone or why are you doing this, but do you feel at times maybe you have no control of it? Even maybe even though you do, do you feel at times, or maybe even the crowd, you feel like maybe you just you've been dropped into this, and this is all you know? I yeah, I definitely think that that it's that way because sometimes like it's just it's all around you, and it's so there. I feel like there's no possible way of like getting around it. Yeah, Jordan, you got any thoughts? I feel like a lot of times it's like, yeah, this is what we're in. And so whether, like, I feel like a lot of times older generations can desensitize it and be like, oh, well, you're going through that. But we walked uphill both ways to school. And they always, like, a lot of times they can 
make our problems seem small. And whether our problems are smaller than theirs or not, it's just the problems that we have and it's what we were born into. And we can't change the caliber of our problems. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of have to accept it. And sometimes they have trouble doing that. I'm going to go to that in one second. I want to hear from Josh. On the I think um, it's interesting being like a millennial because we're kind of this middle child in a sense because we grew up um, in this generation that didn't have technology where we didn't have everything that they have, whereas they're like the first generation that's had technology since they were born where we kind of grew into it. So we get like part of like their side, but we also get where like they're coming from. Because it's this sense of like, yeah, we've always had technology too. So it's this side of like, we kind of get both sides, but we also err more towards their side because we resonate a lot more with what Gen Z is going through with comparison, social media, your whole life being, you know, a so highlight reel. Would you say, not necessarily them or your parents or people you know, but would you say that looking to say Gen X or baby boomers, would you say that? It's a 50-50 that you get them, understand them, agree with them, or how would you break that down? Either one of you answer that based upon what you just said. I think as like a millennial, it's, it is 50-50 because like if like a Gen Zer comes up to me and they're like, man, I just got bullied I, or I posted this photo and it got two likes and I have 800 followers or whatever, it's like we can resonate with that because we understand where that's coming from. But then if you go to like a boomer, it's like we kind of get that point of view as well because when they come to us and they say like, well, we didn't have a phone or, or we didn't have this, it's like we kind of get that too because we didn't always have a phone, you know? Hey, Jordan talked about um, this concept where they might bring up something, say, like cyberbullying or things like that. I was never like bullied in school, much less cyberbullied. I know it's possible and it happened. It just wasn't continuous. Where today, the, there's, what's, it, what's that called with Rachel? Uh, Rachel's challenge or what is it Rachel's challenge where there's organizations that go around to school literally to try to help stop bullying where that was just never known with me growing up um, so would you guys say in general looking at your generations would you say that nine times out of ten the response to their problems are let me try to understand or is the response you wouldn't have lasted in my generation like this is what we had to do this is what it used to be like back in the day. How would you say generationally are people responding to them of your generations? Yeah, I'll take this one. Um, I think that our generation would try and understand. We had a lot of similar things that you guys go through. It just take, took on a different form. We had our own language, um, you know, cool, groovy, far out. Those were our terms that were indicative of our generation and you have your own language too so we understand that part of it and i think we understand too the need for um, mutual respect um, for one another um, our generation suffered through vietnam and korea and we went through that was a very horrific war my dad was in the war he went to vietnam twice and he went to korea once and he, he survived all those three times and he came back, but it was the worst war ever. America hated that war. It hated the Americans that came back. And so we went from war, war, war to peace, peace, peace. And our pendulum swung so far the other way that it, it was such a liberal 
a liberal movement, there was the Jesus movement, there was the hippie movement, there was flower power, make peace, not war. And we went to uh, drugs and we went to psychedelic drugs and we went to free love, free sex. Everything went from um, a lot of regulations and restrictions to no regulations and no restrictions. Do you feel like you're almost seeing that sort of lifestyle again now in this generation? No regulations, no restrictions? Yeah, I, I guess I do, especially because of the internet and, you know, there's, there's the uh, access to social media. It just, take, just took on a different form, but in my generation, we suffered and went through the same thing that you guys are going through. We're just trying, we were trying to find our identity. There was Woodstock and, you know, the young people in our generation were struggling just the way you are. It just, it just looks different in, in your generation, but it's basically the same thing. That was a great answer. I actually didn't think you were gonna answer like that at all. So it was a great answer. I really appreciate that answer. Um, the only thing I can say on that for me, my personality is um, I, I tend to come across tougher and I do think that some of the issues that Gen Z deals with is trivial. So because of my upbringing, because of what I experienced, um, just because of how I was raised, I mean, there's lots of variables. And so when I hear some of the things that you guys go through, I just think, if they only knew. But it's not because um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be harsh and I'm not trying to understand, it's just, I was raised. I was raised differently than you guys, and so when you're the harder you're raised, the more intolerance you have to. That's true. You know, That's trivial true. things. Let it's me hear. Let me hear the men's perspective on this, because what I, where I want to go in a second after I hear your perspective is what begins to happen is when there's a lack of understanding, there's stigmas that are created. And that's what we're going to talk about. So give me the men's perspective. I think Susie was right. I mean, when we when we we talk about bullying and cyberbullying, and we used to we used to pick on or get picked on. Kids would get picked on in the halls at school, and you know just because they had big ears or a big nose or whatever, they weren't the same as everybody else, so they got picked on. And 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 I agree. I agree with Susan. I mean, it it may not be online, but you, you're walking home after school or walking to the bus stop or you're doing something, and you know two or three guys. Are waiting there for you and you know they, they beat you up or they're teasing you or they're doing something it happens day after day after day after day and it wears on you mentally emotionally you know it it, it looks different than cyberbullying, but the heart is the same you're hurt you're struggling through that stuff you know you, you got to overcome it and it's it's not easy sometimes you feel trapped sometimes you feel like my gosh how am i going to get away from this yeah. yeah, that's good. Do you have any thoughts? I was, I was going to spin off what he said, too. So, like, the cyberbullying and all that. So, you you know, back then we had clicks, too, where you had the popular crowd, the jocks, the burnouts, all that. So, if you're in one of those groups and, you know, some of those guys, they, you know, they ruled the high school. So, if, um, you know, there was kids always getting bullied. So, just how it would be at cyberbullying, they were getting physically bullied in the person, you know, face to face. You know, they were getting tormented and everything, but it was face to face. It wasn't over a screen. You were getting it 
raw, right in your face, make you cry right in front of you. Um, where, you know, and there in our generations and probably in the boomers too, you know, we took a little stream and you're going to go outside and we're going to settle it out there. So, yeah. you know, it, yeah. you know, that's what Cora did. She beat up the yeah, boys. She was yeah. ruthless. She'd throw down. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I think that gives perspective. I think what we do a lot of times is we immediately want to say they don't get me or they don't get me or whatever it is. Like they weren't raised how I was raised. They don't understand it. And I, and I think, I think what Cora said represents a lot of the generation well too because depending on how you grew up would grow up is de- is very much depending on how you're going to even look at people so what happens is when we begin to kind of categorize and we begin to have misunderstanding what we do is create stigmas so i want to give you guys i'm gonna go here and i'm gonna flip to them i'm gonna give you guys a list of stigmas that younger generations i think would say about older generations this is these are things that have been said you're rude to strangers like rude to waiters waitresses things like that you value what over why, which is completely contrary to millennials. They want to know why, and then they'll do the what. Well, back in my day, we had it way harder. How many of y'all have ever heard that? Anybody in the room? Okay. You're stuck in your, wa- <laughs> You're stuck in your ways. Um, you make younger generations feel dumb for using their slang. That's like something that has been said. Um, uh, that you hate on cultural trends, which I think... Uh, is definitely a stigma because it's interesting because you kind of said the opposite of that. Like trends were like a thing in your generation. But when you look at the music and fashion and social media and all the trends, that older generations would just hate on that. And not maybe not necessarily you guys, but your generations. And then last but not least, uh, you tell want to keep telling them, get off your cell phone, put it away for the night and spend time with the family or whatever. Get your face out of the screen. So these are just some thoughts, some stigmas that they would have about you guys, so speak to these. True, false, yes, no, why, what do you say about some of these stigmas? Any one of them that stuck out to you, are they true, are they not true, about your generations? Um, I totally agree with we are stuck in our ways. Um, Because we, our generation, like for us anyways, but even for the boomers, I would imagine because like when I talk to his mom, they just don't like to evolve. You know, our generation doesn't want to learn something new. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. I crave new. I crave change. I crave evolving. What's next? What's next? So I think that's how, that's what's helped me as a mom relate to my girls. Um, Not so much him. He doesn't like change. He likes stability. He likes things to go smooth. I'm usually the one that has to teach them, you know, teach him what this means, the slang. This is how you use that. Let me see. Let me fix it on your phone. Sean, can I hear some of your Gen Z slang? Can you give me something? You got anything? Karen. 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 She says Karen. Okay. I think think that's a good thought, though. How about you guys? Yeah. I mean, we got it harder than, you know, you guys got it a lot easier than I had it when I was a kid. You guys mentioned it uphill to school and back both ways in the snowstorm, you know, right? Is it but, true? Do you think it's huh? a stigma? Well, yes and no. There were things that, you know, I think there are there are some who would say this generation's had it handed to them. I mean, early, earlier, you know, some some older generations um, would would say, look, let me give you an example. We're, 
we're kind of in a squeeze generation now. We're caught between aging parents and we're trying to be helicopter parents for our kids. So there's a, as a generation, you know, oh, my child's in trouble. We got to go buzz them in, you know, buzz in and we got to rescue them somehow. We got to do something. And, and I think there's the, the harder than we had it. I think I, I can see how uh, you guys might not think that because you, you've, you've, you've got it. You know, you got to work for your money just like we do. So I can see both sides of the coin, right? Um, I'm not making a lot of sense here. But. Oh, you, it makes it makes perfect sense. How about how about this? Would you say, would you agree or not agree that there's a stigma with older generations when it comes to, especially let's say waiters, waitresses, you're at a restaurant, that they're rude to them, that they don't treat them well, that they're kind of like, go get me my food sort of thing, and they're not kind to them? Because that's something I've heard very often said about older generations. Give me your opinion, yes or no. Anyone? If it, you, you would agree that that's a, that's agree, a correct stigma? Um, because uh, I'm, I'm in the service business, and I believe that, you know, for someone to pay me well and tip me well, I'm a hairdresser, that I need to cater to them. I need to be good to them. I need to... My, what's going on in my life doesn't matter. It's about them. So when I go to, to a restaurant and they don't give me good service, I usually tell him, don't tip them or don't tip them good because I don't, I don't, I, I, that's just me though. Yes. It's not, you know, it's not everybody. It's just that I understand that it doesn't matter what goes on in your life. You're there to serve. And when you're there to serve, it's not about you. It's about them. So you. You guys would maybe though disagree. You don't think it's a correct stigma about, say, the boomers. You feel like I do. I've been told from certain members of my household, <laughs> who shall remain nameless, Abigail. Abigail. Okay. That dad, you were so mean to that waitress. Okay. Dad, what are you doing? You know. But is it a personality thing where maybe like you I know, think it is because like, it's not my heart. It's not. My, I may have come across that way, but in my heart, I'm thinking you know I wasn't. I wasn't trying to be vindictive. I didn't shoot her. Do look, you think like, that there's any? No, what do you know? Where's my where's my coffee? You know, or, do, how about no. speak to this? Do you think that there's anything to do when it comes to like the fact that you know a lot of this generation they've you know they grew up around the idea of seeing war and all. The, do you think that has been on them in any certain way that maybe there is some of that that comes out in the midst of dealing with people? Yes or no? Yeah, I would. I would say that 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 training and experience comes through in unintended ways would you buy that yeah i think that's really good okay are we ready to hit them with it let's hit them okay these are stigmas about your generations from their generations let's come out of the gate on the millennials snowflakes okay right out of the gate that's just for you guys everybody else now lazy short attention span, addicted to technology, they can't handle face-to-face -face interactions, so they have a hopeless screen dependency, they job hop, they ghost their employers, they never stay in one place and get the job done, they're not consistent. They care too much about social standing and fame, they're disrespectful, they'd rather be social media famous instead of get a real job, and they don't know the true value of money. Amen, he says. So that's coming from older 
to the younger. So it is, it is okay if you disagree. It is okay if you agree. Give me your thoughts, the stigmas about your generation. True, false, why? I mean, I entirely agree about rather be uh, social media famous and get paid to do that than get a job. If I can, is that because that's what you want to do? I mean, it's not what I want to do. But if it was like, if I could sit home and take a selfie and get paid more in a day than I do stocking shelves, I would pay for your face. I would. (laughs) I feel like there's some prophetic truth in that, actually. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like that one is true, and I mean. Why wouldn't it be? I mean, it would be nice to make money to do nothing, but at the same time, I do feel like we lack a certain work ethic, as in we see, oh, well, other people are making money doing nothing, so that's what we should do. And for some people, it's an option, but I still think we need to have that work ethic, and we lack it a lot of times. Okay, millennials, hit me. I think, um, I think they're all true. Um, and the reason I'd say that they're all true is huge because of social media, because with social media, the world has become a lot less smaller. Um, we've learned ways to make money online. A lot more um, smaller, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes I understand. Yeah. So, like, we've learned other ways to make money versus, you know, your regular job that you're going to go to um, and work. And, like, even if you look at, like, the job hop thing, for us, I would say it's not that we don't understand the value of a dollar, but we know that there are so many ways to make money with social media and online that if I'm working at A&W, this job doesn't really matter a ton because if I lose it, I can go home and write papers for college students and make 500 bucks every paper. Or, you know, there's something. Yeah, that is a thing. Wow. I, I've paid to have it done, uh, low key. <laughs> Cut that out, edit that out. Just joking. No, but there are so many ways. That was BC days, right? Yeah, BC. BC. Okay, that was before Christ. Um, (laughs) No, it was. Um, But yeah, so I think there's so many ways to make money. But also I think um, our generation has like a lack of honor and a lack of being willing to say like, I need help. Um, Because there's been a lot of criticism on the millennial generation and the Gen Z generation and not a lot of coaches. And is that's the, what we really need. Is the goal when you talk about making uh, money, is the goal to make money the easiest way or make money doing something you're passionate about? Just answer that quickly. I think it depends. Uh, I think for us, for millennials, it's all about passion. I think for Gen Z, it's different. I think they're about making it as quick, uh, like Jordan said earlier about being creative. I think they're about making it as quick and easy as possible so that they can go pursue their passion. You want to speak to that? Um, I think, I think it could be both. But um, like, I think that like our generation wants to do something they're passionate about, but also do it easy. So like, for example, you could, you could do something you're passionate about and do it on social media and make money off of it. Like literally anything. You could be filming a cooking video, make a time-lapse cooking video, it goes viral. And then people are like, oh, we want more, we want more. And then you start getting uh, promotions, um, uh, what's it called? Ads, yeah, we'll have people sponsor, sponsorships, sponsor you. And I think that a lot of people want to strive for that because they see so many people going viral, especially like now on like TikTok, people going viral literally overnight getting millions of likes do, and do followers. You, do you feel like this becomes a rat race though of constantly trying to have the next thing? And what about the people that work so hard to be the next thing and they never are? Their stuff never goes viral. Like I've never had anything go viral, not that I've tried but I never have. 
So do you think there's some people in your generation that are that they're putting all their effort into trying to go viral when they probably could just get a decent job and make money, but they're in this rat race of never becoming what they're trying to become because they're never made to become it? Yeah, I, I definitely think that for sure. And I've I've seen it before. Like people are like, oh, I'm going to make like all these TikToks when I get home and blah, 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 blah. But they literally could go be working and then they complain when they don't have money, when they want the brand new iPhone 11. So it's stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think it's wrong? I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Do you think it's wrong that people work so hard to be famous through this? Is it wrong to be at all? Is I think it, is it wrong to work to see you know go viral? Is it? I think it's wrong to work to be famous, but if it's something that you love to do and are passionate about it, and being famous comes second, um, and where, you're just doing it. Where you're is passionate. the point in which you keep your right mind though, and you remember who you really are, not what people say you are or perceive you are, but who you really are? Where is that line? Anyone, tell me where's the, where's the line? I think that's what's hard is the line almost becomes invisible because of social media and because of TikTok and Instagram and all of these things. We almost start to turn into this highlight reel that we're putting out instead of, you know, who we genuinely are. And I think that also has a lot to do with our generation and theirs growing up. Bad things we've done or things, mistakes we've made, they can be made very public very easily. They can't be kept in a closet. Whereas like this generation without social media, without all these things, you don't have Susie calling out Jody for doing this at school. You know what I'm saying? Not you, Susie. It was just like using like a... You have a thought? Yes? No? I, I, I'm going to go somewhere else. And if you have a thought, you can bring it back. You talked about like the, the disrespect and the lack of honor and all that. Is there anybody that here just wants to elaborate on that? Because very clearly in the Bible, it talks about before Jesus is going to come back, like the disrespect and the dishonor is going to just get worse and worse and worse. And it's, it probably, you know, there's no way all of you can say that at some point you didn't dishonor your parents or disrespect them. Absolutely, you did. But I think we're seeing an increase of it happening in this generation. So any thoughts on that? I feel like a lot of the older generations, and this is something that they did very well, is they respected their parents because they were simply their parents. Whereas a lot of times us younger generations will be like, well, I would respect them if I thought they were deserving of our respect. In the Bible, it doesn't say, respect your mother and father if you think that you should. It just says to respect your mother and father. And I feel like that's something that we can lack a lot of times. Yeah, I definitely I definitely agree with that. Like, it, it, the Bible doesn't say if you feel like it or even if they're following the Lord or doing everything right. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons why... Um, like Josh was talking earlier about how millennials are kind of in this unique middle ground because a lot of times we like to play Switzerland. We'd, we want to be, be neutral because we do kind of understand the older generations because we, we grew up being taught to like have, you know, to, to kind of set aside like what is anxiety, what is depression, those things don't even exist. And our, I think our generation kind of grew up with that idea of anxiety and depression. We kind of fed it, which I think is why Gen Z struggles with it so bad because we kind of made the pathway for that because growing up we were kind of taught like, well, you can't it, just get over it. It's not a big deal. You shouldn't feel that way. Push like, down your feelings. Yeah, and like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me, and that couldn't be further than the truth. And that's like how we grew up. So we like to play this like middle ground, but I think when we get older – and almost like kind of see like how emotionally unstable we became, it almost makes you bitter 
towards the older generation and like frustrated, like, why didn't you just let me talk about it? I think, and I don't, but I don't think it's right that we, to do that. I think we should rather reach out and say a little, hey, how do I actually deal with this? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, you actually had more similarities than I was expecting. Uh, I see and hear the differences. I see and hear the differences. I, I see sort of where we hit on the same page. I think people without Jesus, it's, it's a lot harder to get on the same page though. You see here how the tables are broken down. You see here there are the boomers in Gen X and there are the millennials in Gen Z. You see the gap in the middle. There is a gap between each generation. There was this sort of transition from boomers to Generation X that was different. They became a different generation. There was a gap. But there became this massive gap between Generation X and millennials. Like it was like something just like just shifted, like the lights turned on, off, whatever you want to call it. Like there was just this huge gap. And when it comes to looking at this gap, the thing that we have to do is first be aware that it exists. If we're not aware that it even exists, we'll never actually work to understand it, okay? When you work to understand it, do you know what the difference is between working to understand it and not? The difference is in the midst of the gap, the difference is working to understand it you bridge it, pretending like it doesn't exist, you broaden it. And when we begin to try to like listen and say, okay, I'm, I'm hearing your thoughts, I'm taking them in, I've never actually thought about that before, I didn't actually know you felt that way, or wow, like we actually connect more and relate and we're on the same page more than I thought. When you begin to listen, understand, and, and just take in who the people are and not just categorize or create a stigma of a generation, what you actually do is begin to bridge this gap between us. Uh, a woman named Megan Gerhardt said that when we use generations as a lens rather than a label, it can help generate deeper understanding of one another instead of fear. When we don't just start labeling, well, you're this and you're this and you're this and that's how what we see you as. And we create all these stigmas and these labels is what they are. But when we actually just see it through a lens, okay, like that's how I relate to them. That's what I can learn from them. That's what I do or do not understand. When we create a lens, what we begin to do is actually remove fear because misunderstanding, can I tell you, it breeds fear so quickly. People fear what they don't understand. And when you begin to try, you might not agree, but you can at least try to understand you actually begin to build this bridge. So I'm gonna give you five practical ways to bridge a generation gap. This is what we would see with not only these four generations, but the generations to come, how we're gonna to continue to have to work to bridge a generation gap. Number one, focus on similarities, not just differences. What we do is we work hard to actually just notice all of the differences and create the stigmas and, and just look at what we don't understand rather than, you know what I've heard more than I actually thought tonight was the similarities. I heard how they don't just look at them as a bunch of weirdos and completely different. They actually in certain ways see that they were similar and they can actually relate. It looked different. As Susie said, it was a different form, but they actually see the similarities. Number two, make expectations clear. This is the thing struggling so much in the workplace today because in the workplace right now, in some companies, you have four generations working together. And that's very, very difficult for a lot of companies. I've listened to a number of experts on this and they don't know how to have all of the generations work together. And number one, it's because you have to make the expectations clear and also you have to understand how each generation operates. So for instance, 
uh, as millennials were getting hired, their thing is when it comes to uh, like a, um, a work evaluation, they don't want a six months and a one year evaluation. They want a weekly checkup evaluation. They want to know constantly how they're doing. And when it comes to job training and, and uh, job onboarding, they want it over a YouTube video. They want you to send them a video and tell them this is how we're supposed to do it because they learn, these generations learn better now through videos and over technology. You have to understand not only how the generation works per se, but you have to make the expectations clear. What am I expecting out of the boomers? What am I expecting out of you? Not, should, sometimes maybe we make the expectation too hard to reach and further out there. We can't make them something they're not. But what is my expectation of you? I can at least communicate that and make it clear. Number three, very important. It's one of our discipleship models here. We mentor the next. Like when you begin to mentor the next generation, so basically there's a need for boomers to mentor X, for X to mentor millennials and millennials to mentor Gen Z. Gen Z, I think they're calling it right now, Generation Alpha is this next generation, right? Which would be Zealand, I, I believe, would be this next generation. There's a need to mentor the next. There's a need for mentoring. Never stop mentoring. See, what happens with especially Generation Z is we're looking to be mentored, and because we're not being mentored, we forget the need to, for mentoring in the first place. There's a lack of mentoring in our lives, lack of mentoring, I'd say, in the Generation Z's life. But here, where you're not mentored, realize that you still have the call in your life to mentor. Like, my son needs to be mentored. His son needs to be mentored. And there's a need on our life to mentor the next. When you do this, you will stop putting blame and you will actually start taking responsibility to bridge. They talked about this a lot over here, number four. So important, y'all. You have to honor and value elders. Honor, and here's the next part, it's just as important, value them. Uh, say, they have a purpose. They have a place in my life. What they say matters. They have experience to share. They have things to give that I need in my life. And you honor them. Like they said, despite what you feel, despite what they've done, despite whether or not you think they deserve it, you honor them. Honor loves to honor. When you honor, it honors back. And can I tell you that if you will honor an older generation, you know what they will do? They'll honor you. If you value them, they will value you. And a lot of times what we're looking to do is be valued and be honored, but we're not willing to value and honor. And we're waiting to say, I can't, I can't, I can't wait till finally my dad might tell me this, or my grandpa this, or my family might look like this, or this place I work at, my boss might. And we're looking for these older generations that we truly look up to, whether you feel like you want to or not. There's something built inside of us to look up to this generation that went before us but we're waiting for them to do something that God called everyone to do. So if they're not doing it, that doesn't stop you from doing it. You have to do it just maybe first, honor and value. The last one is just keep the communication lines open. That's all we're doing tonight. You know what we're not doing tonight? We're not saying, okay, so this is how all the generations work and this is what we should do. All that we're doing is we're becoming basically Google. We're a collection of information, that's all we're doing. We're just starting a conversation among generations that needs to be had so that from there we can continue having the conversations. When this series ends, guess what guys, we're still gonna talk about this. When this panel ends, we're gonna still talk about it. You have to keep clear communication lines open with family, with friends, with coworkers, with, with neighbors, with generations, not just your own generation. Speaking about communication, I'm gonna flip it to you guys. 
Either one of you can speak. Just give me like maybe one from each generation. Do you feel that your generation has a hard time communicating to older generations? Why? Not you. Look at your generation. Uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of times uh, Gen Z has a lot of trouble communicating with Gen X and the boomers because so many times they think, oh, well, they're just going to shut us down or they're going to say no, so better to ask forgiveness and permission. So you've counted yourself out of the race before you've been... Yeah, I feel like that's a lot, very, more often than not, is it's like, okay, well, they're going to say no or they're going to do this, and we just assume so much of them that we don't give them the chance to prove us wrong. Why, why, why do you think that is? Is it from personal experience you're saying that? Or is it just from what you perceive? Why do you immediately think you're counted out of the race? I mean, it's, it's a little bit of both personal experience and what I've seen. I mean, just yeah, yeah, myself personally, the more times I'm told the same thing, the less times I think that there's going to be a different answer. And I stop giving the person I'm asking. I take away their choice to give me a different answer. And I just pick an answer for them. And it becomes less of what they are and more of what I perceive them as. And I don't give them the option to be someone other than what I think they are. That's good. I think it's um, it's hard because it's the, between us two, our two generations, and those two. You're coming from two different mindsets. Like the mindset over there, when you were a kid and you fell down, was rub some dirt in it, get up, you're gonna be all right, bud. Like, come on, toughen up. Like they had kids that were you know 16, 17 going off to war, whereas our generation is very emotional. We're very tied to our emotions. We're very emotionally based. And so it's harder for us to communicate with them because they're a generation that just pushed through and we're a generation that pulls back and goes, you know what, like we need to reevaluate this, make sure everybody's okay, make sure you're okay, Joey's okay, you know, so it's hard. Susie's okay. Yeah, Susie's yeah. okay. What up, Susie? <laughs> How about you guys? Let's flip it. Is it difficult to talk to younger generations? You know what? I, I would have said no because the things that are, are deep, deep, deep down important are the same. It's it's our faith, it's our family, it's our friends, our need to be connected, our need for you know to be affirmed, our need for success. They're the same. And when we get through we get through the frosting on the cake and what's on the surface and hairstyles and clothes and language. But do you believe do you believe that it's hard for your generation to get past all of that? It's an effort. Absolutely. I, it has I think to in be the intentional. end what you're saying Absolutely. It has to be very intentional, Pastor. So do you believe, though, that your generation is intentional enough to do that? I would say not enough. I would say no, not enough. Okay. No. I think you'll find pockets of it, but I would say it's not prevalent. Do you think that, not that it scares them, but I'll use the word scare because I can't think of another one. Do you think that the hair and the slang and the technology and everything scares older generations off from even wanting to try because they think they're counted out of the race yeah, before they try? Absolutely. I mean, y'all said it right down there. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to risk it. And it's wrong to not risk it. You have to put it out there. But that's what happens. I, I agree with you. How about Generation X? I think we just, you know, we try to find ways to communicate with them. What way can we relate to them? Like, whatever, if it's cars or, you know, try to break that gap just to make the conversation because... We want to have the conversations. You know, we want to be around the young guys or the young people. Yeah. But, um, you know, we just probably struggle more trying to figure out how to interact on the same level to get into their heads. Yeah, I'd agree with that. 
Do you think that the common ground is harder to find? The, the, the more generations develop, do you feel like there's less common ground to find? I will speak into that because my biggest thing is I, I feel our generation is losing values. We, our generation does not understand that, like you said, we are supposed to pour into these guys. We are supposed to pour into you. And I have such a hard time watching my generation walk away. It's like, that's not your role. We have an entire generation that is not understanding what it means to honor, you know, their parents and, um, or have a conversation with someone about cars or, and, and it's sad because it disappoints me totally. It takes work. I've found no matter what generation I'm talking to that I'm not a part of, it takes work to try to find that common ground and connect. If I may, Pastor, Susie's in my situation probably a little bit different. We, When Susie and I got married, she had two kids from previous marriage who are Gen X's. They're 42 and 38, and we've had three kids together. We've got two of them who are millennials. Aaron and David are 26 and 24, and we have Abigail who's a Gen Z. She's yeah. 19. And, and I will tell you that we have been able to establish a connection with every one of these kids in a very real way. And... You know, we've been, it's been good. So if you're willing to work at it, it is possible. So I'd say, because many, many uh, generations have been tuning into these messages because they're, they're very helpful to give them understanding, not only of Gen Z, but now we're kind of plugging into all the generations. So the message would be, um, if you're willing to work at it, it's possible because there, there is this sort of breakdown of communication between every generation, every generation in some way struggles to connect with the previous generation, whether it was the generation before you guys because of wars, because of depression, because of whatever, uh, like like the Great Depression that they experienced, there was communication breakdowns that maybe came to your generation and to your generation. Or if you get to the the millennials, the breakdown would be struggling maybe with, uh, you know, boomer parents, uh, especially dads that are workaholics and, you know, they're not super connected into your lives or you get down to Gen Z. And the struggle between Gen Z and Generation X is technology. Generation X doesn't understand the access that Gen Z has with technology. So because they don't understand that access, they don't understand the technology what do you talk about? How do you talk about something you don't understand? Here's what's crazy for y'all, what you need to like take in. I know you're gonna like resonate with this. What's crazy about technology is that for the first time in human history, younger generations are teaching something to older generations. How many of y'all have you ever had to teach a grandparent, a parent, whoever, something with technology? Okay, y'all feel it. Where, think about it before. Think about like in like past time, medieval times, whatever, like, or just you'd have like a blacksmith, right? And I'm a blacksmith, and my dad was a blacksmith, and my dad was a blacksmith, and he was, why? Because they passed down the family trade all the way down the line. Now, it's completely opposite. Actually, things are going not just down the line anymore. Things actually go back up the line. But let me tell you the problem with this. The problem is that because now you are so technologically savvy, you're getting prideful. And you're beginning to think, well, you know what? Older generations, they're just dumb. They just don't get it. They can't roll with stuff as quick as I can. They're not technologically savvy like I am. So you, what happens is you're getting prideful and you're forgetting about what they have to offer because you're so full of knowledge. You have knowledge at your fingertips like no generation. You can Google every answer in the book. 
Like, you are full of information and knowledge. But can I make this abundantly clear? Just because you have knowledge does not mean you have wisdom. That just because you are full of knowledge and information does not mean you're wise. And I think, I think something that younger generations are forgetting is that wisdom is something that's gained through experience. And the Bible's really clear. It's gained back up the line. It's only gained from learning from those that have gone before you that have experienced it, that can teach you. Um, you see, death can't give me wisdom. She can give me knowledge. Now, through the Holy Spirit, she can teach me wisdom because God grants us. In the book of James, it says, if you lack wisdom, ask. But in terms of actual practical, practical day in and day out wisdom, that comes from looking back up the line. I love what it says in the book of Hebrews chapter uh, 13, verse 7. How do you get wisdom? Remember your leaders. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. And look at this word, imitate their faith. When you look back up the line, you look back up, and what we're talking about is our elders, our leaders, past generations, ones that we can look to and learn from, gain wisdom. We might have all the knowledge in the world and we can drop everything that's going on probably in the world to some degree even more than, than older generations can because we're so tapped in. But just because you're tapped in to knowledge and the world and all that doesn't mean you're tapped into God and wisdom. What I've really learned is I have a personal relationship with God and I love what God teaches me. I love the wisdom that God gives me. But can I tell you, what makes me what I am today, it's not personally just the wisdom God's given me. I have the wisdom of three other generations that follow Jesus Christ running through me. Not just because it's in my blood, in my veins, and because I am a fourth generation Christ follower, raising now a fifth generation, but it's because I listened. I listened to the wisdom of my father, passed down from his father, passed down from his father. Wisdom, it ripples and it multiplies. And as we look back to these generations, we have to understand two things. Let me first speak to um, the older generation. Your roles are to pass down wisdom, especially from God, to these guys. Your roles are to honor them because not only does God say he's going to give you a long, healthy, happy life, but it's bigger than that. As you open yourself up to their wisdom, you will learn things beyond your years. And you will actually not have to make some of the same mistakes they did because you'll say, rather than responding, well, pff, they don't know. They, they, they've never been in this generation. I mean, they've never really gone through what I've gone through. They ain't really dealing with it. Instead of responding that way, you open yourself up to say, okay, God, I'm going to listen and I'm going to learn from them so I can really fulfill the purpose called for my life and not get derailed and off track. And then here's the other part. Y'all have knowledge and you're tapped in and you're growing and morphing and changing and, and developing in ways that y'all just aren't because of technology. So you have something to give them as well. And here's what you do now is you open yourself up and say, you know what? I have wisdom to give and knowledge to gain. And I have the opportunity to learn from what they're hearing, learn from what they're tapped into, learn how to stay relevant to a generation and not, not get uh, you know, out, off track and out of line with it, not stop working to you know, be tuned in with it. We have this opportunity, guys, everybody across the board, multiple generations, obviously, in this room, even seated here between leaders and all the way down to Gen Zers. We have the opportunity one way or another to glean and learn from one another. 
And the Lord really just uh, gave me this scripture. And it's found in the book of Acts, and it's chapter 13, verse 36. And it's referring to King David from the Old Testament and the role that he played, not just as a shepherd, but then a king. And look at what's said about him now in the New Testament, speaking of him in the Old Testament. It said, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, meaning he died. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. I want you to catch this first part, though. It says, when David had served God's purpose, where? In his own generation. Now, I'm not saying that you guys don't have a purpose anymore to affect this generation. And I'm not saying that you don't to affect this generation. But there's a reason you were born as baby boomers. There's a reason as Generation X, Millennials, and Gen Z. There's a reason whatever generation you find yourself in, there's a reason you were placed in that generation. Because God put a specific purpose on your generation and on you as an individual in your generation for your generation. And can I tell you, do you know the moment finally when God's going to take you home? When you have fulfilled your purpose for that generation. That's when he's going to take you home. Let me, let me just make it clearer for you. You would say, well, what about somebody that dies at like 16 years old? God saw fit that they had fulfilled their purpose for that generation. My, my papa right now is 90, turning 90, something like that. He's, he's like up there now. And he's not home yet. Why? Because he has not yet fulfilled his purpose for his generation. I think some of you, it's a mind-boggling thought that you even have a purpose, that God literally puts you in a generation, that you have a purpose for your generation. Much less, what a crazy thought to think that God knows when to take us home. It's not random. It's not accident. God knows when it's time for us to go home as David fulfilled his purpose, as he served it, then he fell asleep. And I just want you all to know tonight, everybody in the room, whether you know Jesus really well or you feel like you don't know him well at all. Jesus loves you so much that he didn't create you just um, on accident or just randomly plop you here, but he entrusted you. Listen to the words I'm using. They're very specific words. He entrusted you, not just with the life he's given you to live, but he entrusted you with a purpose that you would influence your generation. You were placed as a millennial. You were placed as Gen Z for a purpose, a specific purpose. And every one of us is different. Some, some of you are introverts, some extroverts, some good in conversation, some not. Some are highly creative, some are administrative. Some like sports, some don't. And all of that, he works together with the Holy Spirit to glorify his will. It could be as random as yesterday I'm at the rec center and we're playing soccer and this guy randomly walks over and we start a conversation quick with him because he said, can he play soccer? We're like, cool, we play soccer for a little bit and you know, I'm decent at soccer and we were all doing pretty good, having a good time. Next thing I know, here's Pastor Steve and Pastor Tyler praying for him. What was our purpose being at the rec center? What was our purpose to play soccer? It was the moment in which we got to pray for him. What if we didn't get to pray for him? I still fulfilled my purpose. Because my purpose, it lives, it breathes, it moves in me. 
Everything I do is fulfilling my purpose as long as it is for the glory of God. So if I simply play soccer and I never even talk about Jesus, I fulfill my purpose. If I get to pray for somebody and have a conversation about the Lord, I fulfill my purpose. Your purpose is not categorized or classified by how much good you do or how much you talk about Jesus. It's every breath in your lungs that you're living for his name. So if you're athletic, then be athletic. If you're creative, then be creative. If you are decent at video games, I know a guy who lives in Missouri that he streams his video games. Uh, it's a young person about your age, makes a ton of money. You know what he does for the whole time he streams? He plays We Are One's album seven the whole time. And uh, we found this out and he, we were talking to him. We were like, wow, that's, that's cool, dude. He's like, no, you don't get it. People ask me about this music and they, they've started listening to your music now and they're not even Christians. You know what the beautiful thing about that is? Is finally a lyric is gonna hook somebody just right. And like a, the testimony that was told me a number of months ago, a young lady walked up to me and she said, I was listening to the song, It Is Finished. And I listened to it and it intrigued me, so I listened to it again. And I listened to it again and again and again, on repeat. She said, at the end of whatever, how many times I had listened to it, at the end of that song, I stopped and I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And I go, wait, wait, wait. You mean, I said, you mean like after that song was done, you got to the next track, right? Because the next track is called Sinner's Prayer. And it's literally my papa walking you through how to pray the sinner's prayer. That's what you're talking about. She goes, no, I actually didn't even get to that track. She goes, I didn't even know what I was saying. I just listened to it. And I thought, this just feels so real. I don't even know what to pray. God, like whatever these lyrics are saying, like that's what I feel. Forgive me. Jesus did it. I don't even know exactly what to say. You didn't even listen to the sinner's prayer track. Why would you even put it there? Listen, Holy Spirit is going to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do and didn't even need to get to how we would establish it, but God's purpose would be fulfilled in her simply based upon, listen, us fulfilling our purpose to write those songs, record those songs, and get them to the world. We didn't know somebody was going to stream them over video games. We didn't know a young lady was going to hear it. I was just fulfilling my purpose. And it doesn't have to be music. It doesn't have to be any one specific thing. You simply, just in who you are, it can fulfill the purpose God has for your life. To seek, to save the lost, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. To be the hope of the world. We're the church, hope of the world. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me tonight? Across this place, I don't know where everyone finds themselves. I know some of you, I can just even feel it. This whole conversation, you've actually been learning a lot, but you're also still struggling with some of the things within you and what you're going through just simply because of your identity that you're wrestling with, your purpose you're wrestling with. And maybe you couldn't even clearly yet hear what God wants to say to you. But can I tell you tonight that God is trying to speak to you and remind you that he created you in his image. He has a beautiful purpose for your life. Every talent, every bit of your personality, what you look like, what your hair is like, all of it, can I tell you it's on purpose and for a purpose? Can I tell you you're not an accident in any way? Nothing about you was on accident. Everything about you is on purpose for a purpose. And when you finally fulfill your purpose, whenever that is, each one of us, those that would call upon the name of Jesus, those that would live for him with our lives, we get to go be with him. That when we fall asleep, that's not our last breath. It's just our first breath with him. And maybe you're here tonight and you're wrestling even with your relationship with God. You're wrestling with your purpose. I just want to pray over you tonight in the quietness of your seat right there as the Holy Spirit Bible talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God exists three in one. The Holy Spirit is, is hovering, moving in this place, in this moment. 
And it's what you're going to feel is almost like a quiet tap on your heart. It's going to be like an invitation. It will not be forceful. It will not invade and make you do anything or be anything. It will simply invite you to be who he's called you to be and do what he's called you to do. Your purpose is important. It's it's the reason we have to learn from generations that have gone before us and get wisdom because without wisdom, we can't fulfill our purpose. And so in this moment, as I even pray over you, whatever you are going through, wherever you find yourself, I ask you just in the privacy of this moment in, in your own heart, would you just in your own words, it could be in your mind, could be just softly of a whisper, it could be just kind of like hold your heart, you put, put your hands out or you are closing your eyes and just being reverent in this moment. Whatever it is, would you just in this moment talk to God? Would you ask him maybe to forgive you of your sins if you know you've not been living for him? Would you ask him to give you some direction if right now you feel just without guidance and direction? Would you ask him greater to reveal his purpose to you because you don't feel it at all and you feel like you're walking around purposeless and you don't even get what is the point of being on this planet earth? Why are you here? As I pray, would you just ask him? Holy Spirit, we've made it so abundantly clear that you are welcome in this place, that we've invited you in this place. But now I ask you, would you so softly, like Jesus said, he said, I stand at the door and knock. Would you go and knock on every heart in this place? Those that know Jesus so well and those that are just getting to know him or not, don't know him at all, Lord, would you knock on every single one of our hearts? Knock. Give us the opportunity right now for each person to open and invite you in. Lord, I pray that every single person in this room, under the sound of my voice, those that are watching this on YouTube, those that are listening on our podcast, wherever people find this message, I pray that they'd be so acutely aware that wherever they are listening, that the presence of God is in that place with them. I pray that they'd be so acutely aware that God designed them, knit them in their mother's womb, and purposed them, that they've been made on purpose for an absolute purpose for your name. I pray that they not question it or worry if it's going to be fulfilled, but when they do question, when the worry does come in, that they'd remember this moment, the peace they felt in this moment, and they would just completely hand themselves once again over to you to believe that, Lord, you will use them. You are using them. You have used them. To remember that, Lord, they are here. Every breath, it does have purpose. Every relationship contact has purpose. The school that they're in is on purpose. The home they're in is on purpose. The university and the workplace that they're in is on purpose. Nothing is on accident. Everything is on purpose for a purpose. So I ask that, Lord, as you would be magnified in this place and exalted, we honor you above everyone. We honor you above everything. That as we do that, I pray that you would supernaturally, Holy Spirit, knock on every heart and remind them tonight that they were made for a purpose. That when they walk out of here, some people wondering if they want to go another day, if they even want to take another breath, wondering if they want to just take their life, wondering if they can even stand it anymore to be in this anxiety and this depression and this fear and all the stuff they're wrestling and battling and wondering if they just want to have it all be done. Wondering if they just want to just commit suicide, give up and be done. 
I just speak against suicidal thoughts, depression, and anxiety in the name of Jesus right now that is trying to strangle, is trying to crucify their purpose. I ask that they would remember the peace of this moment and they would see that their purpose can only be found in peace. So we cast out fear, we cast out worry, we cast out anything that would set itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take it captive and we make it obedient tonight that the peace of God would reign in their life and their purpose would be so evident to themselves and everyone that sees them that each step they take, each breath they take, it's giving you glory. And Lord, can I just tell you that my purpose above all else is not to be a pastor. It's not to be a father or even a husband. The purpose of my life is to honor, worship, and glorify your name as a son of God. So I give you glory, honor, and praise for my purpose. I give you glory, honor, and praise for every purpose in this room. If anybody by faith wants to believe that, walk in their purpose, stand firm and rise up with me. Would you just give God a shout of praise for your purpose, for what he's placed on your life? Come on, somebody, you have a purpose. I just feel like you just need to clearly hear it tonight, so I'm going to shout it until somebody gets it. You have a purpose. You need to not go another day without believing in yourself without believing that you were designed and placed in your generation for a purpose. If you were supposed to be a baby boomer, you would have been a baby boomer. So don't look down on yourself because you're Gen Z, millennial, or anything else. You have a purpose. Come on, somebody give Jesus a shout of praise tonight. Amen.